Welcome back to Lemon Water, the podcast that quenches your thirst. I'm Nick. And I'm Alex. How, how are you doing, Alex? What's going I like on? That. that one. That was good. You like that? Quenches your thirst. Quenches your, your thirst. thirst. Your thirst of knowledge? Your thirst of, your thirst of what? Your thirst of knowledge. Your thirst of uh, entertainment. Your thirst of, uh, yeah, fill in the blank. Your thirst of blank. Your thirst Merch of what? Whatever floats your boat, yeah. Yeah, t-shirts coming soon. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even... And the other one, that, that was one of the ones. And the other one was, uh, welcome back to Lemon Water, where we make your life a little more refreshing. Ooh. Both just, of them. God, that just sounds refreshing. The word refreshing sounds refreshing. Did you ever think about that? Refreshing? No, I, I didn't. You know, but there are some, there are some words that like people like really like a queasy at like pus oh one moist. of them moist jen would every time we would say moist she would just flip out yeah yeah one of our friends from college she uh my cousin's the same way if i if i say the word like pus or even mention the word pimple she'll like start to gag <laughs> actually i was i was watching shark tank the other day and there was a product on there called like pop the pimple and imagine like a three inch by like five inch piece of rubber. It's rectangular. Maybe it's about an inch deep. And uh, basically it's 16 pimples in, in a, like four rows of four. And you can p- pop the pimple and, and that's it. And that, that's all by itself. So it's like you get to pop 16 pimples. <laughs> Sign me up. Dude, they've, they sent, they've done like over $300,000 in sales in a few months. Isn't that crazy? I, I just don't understand how people make money off stuff like that. But to each yeah. is their own. Yeah. How's your How's your weekend? Do you do anything fun? It's going good. Uh, yeah, we had a uh, work Christmas party on um, last night. That was fun. Did people get a... Uh, oh, I was on Saturday? Today's Sunday, right? Yeah, today's Sunday. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah, it was a Saturday then. But, yeah, um, I always forget what day of the week it is. Every day seems the same. Every day's busy. So were people going crazy? No, it was, you know, it was, we, it was, it was nice and like relaxed. It was at my friend's apartment who also, who lives, uh, not in the city of St. Louis, but, um, out in the, I guess you call it suburbs, sort of St. Louis is strange in the, in, in the way it's set up county wise. Um, most of the people who live in st louis who make up the population of st louis don't actually live in the city of st louis they live in the county of st louis Got it. um and and i know you've, you've heard of those like the murder rates and all the crime rate that's associated with st louis that most of that takes place within the city of st louis where a small percentage of the population of st louis lives so those numbers are very skewed mm. so it's not actually the most dangerous city in the United States, it's, <laughs> it's probably up there, but I wouldn't consider it, you know, as bad as people make it seem. Would like you go it. as far as to say is it's, it's fake news? Um, <laughs> that's actually a prime example of fake news. Really? Or, no, actually, no, it's not a prime example of fake news. That's an extended version. Um, the cousin of fake news. The cousin of fake news. Yes. So, I th- okay, yeah, I thought it was like a like a company sponsored work party because when when Wafer had their work parties, they were always on like Thursday nights because they didn't want everyone to get crazy. Oh no no no, it was not affiliated. Save a lot was not affiliated with the work party. Um, <laughs> nice. It was just one of my uh, colleagues' uh, apartment. 
cool. That's nice. Yeah, I did. Uh, my girlfriend and I did gift exchanges last night, and I got her a record player. As you know, she loved it. I had no idea if she th- would thought it was really stupid or not, but she like she was pumped about it. Say thanks, Alex. Right after she she was really happy. No, I'm just kidding. That was your idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, my, my idea. But you gave me the idea because every time we talk, I always see like your records on the wall in the background. Um, oh and yeah, so, back there, you realize. <laughs> yeah, and but and there's yeah, so there's a record store like it's called they're called Cheapo Records. So I could get like three or four records. They're each like ten bucks, and that got her a record player. But she got me this cool like notebook where I can. Write oh, she on got it. you a notebook. Yeah. Wow. No, no, she got me the notebook, you know, like the movie. The notebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's called Rocket Book, and I can write on it. It's just like a regular notebook, and then I can scan it on my phone, and it'll up, up, upload to, like, my email or Slack. So, like, if I want to send stuff to, like, my team like at Canary, I can just, like, draw, like, pictures of apps or ideas and send it to them. And it's just a way of, like, digitalizing, like, a notebook. And then she got me the big – her big gift was tickets to see Impractical Jokers. Oh, that's person. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was pumped. So it's uh, it's January twentieth, and uh, it's in Boston, right in the TD Garden, which is where like Celtics play and everything. But that was like the big gift. That's a good gift. I love Practical yeah. Joker. Good yeah, show. So, great show. I love it. My yeah, I love that show. And then for the first time today, I got my beard groomed. I'm not sure if you can if you can tell Alex. On, I should have on... kept growing it. Well, I I did. It's it's. I'm still growing it, but. I actually have a photo shoot tomorrow and I wanted to look like presentable. My mom's like, clean up your beard. I'll send you some money to go get your beard. <laughs> so it was like a 30 minute, like spa day. Yeah. And, Where'd you uh, go? A barbershop or? Yeah. A place down the street uh, in Boston. And um, yeah, so it was, it was like super luxurious. So I want to make sure I'm like presentable. So when I'm looking back at these pictures, I'm like, I looked half decent. Um, you got the entrepreneur beard going on there. Yeah. Got the entrepreneur beard. Yeah, so I got a, it's in Worcester tomorrow. But uh, yeah, so I want to talk about something you. Oh, let's! I'm excited. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Something I well, you'll have a lot of experience with it. I have no experience with it. Um, but it's talking about military. You okay. Know what I think about that? A little bit, yeah. And not not a lot, a little. Yeah, but I just wanted to kind of get, get into, uh, you know, well, you know more than the average person, I'd say. Yeah, Having the average civilian, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've touched, I, my dad was in the military for 30 years. and um, 30 years? 30 years. He still works for the military, too. Um, so, real, really, realistically, more than 30 years. But uh, I also was at Oxford Kennedy School, so I got a little, oh. little touch of them. Oh, sorry. For those who don't know what Oxford Kennedy School is also known as OCS. It's it's essentially like boot camp. Um, if you were in, to enlist in the military, you go to boot camp. It's kind of, sort of, I mean, that's what I would equate it to for people who don't really know much about the military to um, being an officer, which is basically the boss of an enlisted, um, of enlisted personnel. Essentially a manager and then like an analyst or specialist. So the manager would be the officer the analyst would be the enlisted person. Gotcha. In corporate so, terms. So your dad was there for 30 years as a soldier, right? No, or what, what, soldier, what, what, is, soldier is army. Oh, you're going to make a lot of people angry if you, if you don't get that right. Soldier is army. Marine is Marines. Gotcha. So your father was a Marine and, and 
well, so he's a civilian now. So technically, he's not a marine still, right? Yeah, or it, once it, a marine, always a marine. That's what they always say. So what did he? What did your dad do? So he's been doing it for thirty years, or he did. He served for thirty years. What was like? When did he go in? And, and like, what was his like day to day job? Um, well, I don't think any of us really know what day to day jobs are for people in the military. Sure, yeah. A lot of times because they can't really. Uh, no matter what they do, it, a lot of stuff in the military is classified, so that they can't really talk about it. Um, right. But he joined right after. I don't know when he joined. He was he was in his early twenties when he joined, maybe like twenty three, twenty four. Um, but he he was active duty for a little bit, and then went reservist, and then back to active. So he he was he's worked other jobs while in the military. Um, but yeah, he's. And he retired, what, he's 60 now? So he retired maybe at 55, maybe five years ago. So when he, was station, when he was stationed, was he, like, all over the country, all over the world? Or uh, Yeah, my dad, I mean, my dad was born and raised in um, uh, Istanbul, Turkey, and then moved here when he was 15. So he, he also has been to a lot of different countries just solely on that reason. And also, once he joined the military, he got, you know, the opportunity to travel a lot. Maybe not to the most, you know, um, five star hotels. Uh, yeah, not not the most not the nicest places that you want to go, you know. But um, he's been he's been all over the place. I think he's probably been yeah. to every continent. But, really? Um, yeah, maybe except for Antarctica. But we don't so, count that. So, so you, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm gonna p- piss off a lot of people who are from Antarctica with that comment. <laughs> yeah. All those Antarctica, are Antarctican, Antarctican. Yeah, Antarctic let's do that. Um, all the penguins. Um, we're sorry. We're sorry. So, so when you so growing up, like, when when did you like like kind of like actually like cognitively realize that like oh my dad's in the military. It's not like the safest thing in the world, and he's like all over the place. Like, did you ever have that realization? That's the thing, and and I think that goes with with um, sort of anybody's parents, no matter what they do. Even putting military aside, we we, um, we always kind of think our parents are like indestructible, especially when we're young. So, like, yeah. even if like my dad did have a dangerous job, to me, you know, I was just so like unaware of of the dangers that come with being in the military or being you know a policeman or a firefighter or any sure. any job like that where you're putting your life on the line i think when like you're my dad kid, what he's a real that's a kind of like my dad he's a real estate appraiser hey no, man. <laughs> those people they kill you <laughs> so yeah so any, anyone like that job yeah and i think i think it didn't really i don't know i, I didn't really hit me until maybe when i was like you know junior high high school um that it was it was a dangerous job and i think i got that from more so like the social aspect of it like watching like tv and stuff and seeing like oh you know you see a show on like cbs about like marines or like you see like uh saving prior ryan or something like that you're like wow this actually is is a dangerous job <laughs> but um, yeah yeah i mean yeah that's that's sort of um, when I started to realize that it was, it was a danger dangerous job. But at the same time, it's like I was never worried um, about my dad. I knew he was a smart man and still is a smart man, and uh, he you know knew what he was doing. So take care of himself. So you, yeah. yeah. So for me, I feel like 
and maybe I'm just a warrior, but if it was me and I was like 13 or 14 or 15 and I just realized like, oh, my dad's job's really dangerous, I'd like freak out and I'd be like, dad, like, can you quit your job and come home and just like chill with us? Well, it's sort of the but, opposite. It's kind of like, um, in a way, like your dad being like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Santa Claus. It's like, yes. oh, my dad's Santa Claus, but like he has the craziest, coolest job in the world, but you know, nobody knows he's Santa Claus. And it was the same thing with my dad. It was like, my dad is, you know, to me, him being a Marine, it was, you know, it was, it was cool for me. I was like, oh, my dad's like a Marine. He's overseas. You know, he's, he's fighting for our country. Like I, I, I saw respect in what he did. Um, and not to say that someone who's not in the military, their job isn't respect, like respected, but right. uh, I saw more of, um, you know, the greater aspect of his job than more so his specific role in, in the Marine Corps. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that's really cool. Like most people, yeah, it's, it's cool that you looked at it like that because like I said, it's like a hard thing to maybe potentially cope with, but for you, it was like, it was like a perk that like my dad's like a badass. Yeah. And, and I feel like unless I was like presented with the, the danger myself, it's like, I would never really know how dangerous his job was. Therefore I couldn't really be, you know, afraid for his well-being um but like let's say i had a uh, a close friend whose dad was also in the military and his dad unfortunately maybe passed away or something like that and i knew sort of that danger and 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 in the grand scheme of things i knew there obviously there are people in the military that you know risk they they you know they ultimately you know the worst that could happen to someone you know they, they die, they die. but 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 they're at least you know they're they're doing something bigger than themselves and it's a great cause. And, and it is tragic to hear those stories, but I never really had a story like that tied close to home in the sense that like someone I knew personally overseas in the military, um, pass away. So it never really, I don't know, never really struck a chord with me personally. Um, therefore I wasn't really worried about my dad. And fortunately enough, I never really, I never had to had that worry. Um, that's good, yeah. So, so you're saying obviously he was overseas and everything like that. So, you know, for me growing up, my parents are both civilians, and I would obviously go to school and come home, and they'd both be there. But with your dad overseas, how like were you able to like how often were you able to see him, and how like how how often would he go away, and like what was that whole work life balance like? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So when you're in the military, there's not really a work-life balance. Like, like that's there are some jobs where, um, you know, you go to you go to work and then you leave and you're not at your job anymore. Um, you're not, you aren't your your job. Your job is just something that you do 40 hours a week. But when you're in the Marines, you're in any armed forces. Like, that's a lifestyle. That's a that's not just a job. Like, you're always on the clock, no matter what. Um, so. I knew that too um, about his job and, and everything that came with it. Um, but when I was, what was it third grade, second grade, third grade, he got stationed in Afghanistan or Iraq. I can't remember which one he went to first. But then he went again two other times for each each stint would be was like nine to twelve months. Sure. Um, so he was overseas for three years. When I was young, and it wasn't like three consecutive years. It was, 
it was staggered throughout my young childhood. Um, but those were more so dangerous areas he was in. And that's why when I was said before, like I wasn't aware of it because I was young. Right. Um, but I can't remember how often I talked to him back then. Cause that was like what I was like seven or eight. So like, right. Um, but, but, um, when he moved so you to Germany, when he came. good. What? No, sorry. I was just say, so, so you basically got to talk to him when, whenever you got to talk to him, there was no schedule. Yeah. They had like satellite phones that they would like, they got to like call their family's home like every once in a while, but there was no like set schedule. My mom would be like, Oh, your dad's on the phone. I'd be like, Oh, okay. And I go and talk to him. Um, but I, I can't remember how often that happened. But um, then in um, what was I in sixth grade, he got stationed in Germany. And then that's where he's been ever since. I mean, he's been home for like a year or two here and there. Um, but Germany, Germany is not as dang, obviously it's it's not a war zone. It's a nice right. place. It's a nice country. <laughs> right, right. Uh, now so it is. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't worried at all. Obviously, when he went to Germany. So, um, but I, I get to talk to him every, every once in a while. I mean, we're both busy. Um, yeah. I see him every year on Christmas. So, it's it's one of those things that you just get used to. It's like, like people are like, oh, I couldn't imagine like not seeing my dad like this amount of times and. And sure, it'd be nice, but at the same time, it's like it's not something that like I lose sleep over, you know. Right. So, so obviously, like you, you grew up with that, and you know, it's it's it was your like part of your life, and probably a big part of it. So, when you, like, when did you decide that you want to, like, try to follow in your dad's footsteps, so to say, and and try to become a marine as well? Well. I can't really put like a specific moment on it. Um, I think there was uh, notions of it throughout my whole life. Um, and some of them kind of got, you know, pushed away and then come back up and pushed away. But uh, I think when it, when it kind of came back up for good and was like, oh, this is something that I really think I might do. Uh, I was in college and it was more so because I would go to class every day and I was a finance major um, taking a bunch of business courses and I would go to class and some, some of the classes I took were interesting. Most weren't. Um, but, <laughs> um, the ones that, that weren't interesting and made up most of my college was, it seemed like I was just there. Like college was just something that you had to do to check off a box that way people or when i say people i mean employers saw that you had that box checked off and then that was kind of the baseline it's like okay he has that box checked off now we can we can go move forward we can move forward and look at all the other stuff he may or may not have but if you didn't have that box checked off it was kind of like you were just thrown out into the water so a big part of me being at college seemed that seemed to be the reason why i was there and I didn't really enjoy sort of um, not that that I didn't enjoy college in the, in the classes there. Like I said, there were some classes that I didn't enjoy others that I really did enjoy. Um, but I didn't enjoy sort of the, every time I thought about graduation and what was after coming after graduation, I didn't enjoy picturing myself um, sort of doing the everyday job in, 
not necessarily working a corporate job because that's what I do now and I actually enjoy it, but working a job where what you do on a day-to-day basis doesn't make a difference to anyone but yourself. Where do you think that notion comes from that, oh, I'm going to go work a corporate job and what I'm going to do isn't going to matter? Because I, because I, I thought the same thing, <laughs> you know? It's sort of, it's sort of like we were told that you go to college, but then you see how many people our age um, go to college. And then it starts to make it seem sort of less appealing, less, um, you know, special because everyone has a bachelor's degree. Everyone has a college degree. So then those jobs that come after college that all those entry level jobs. And when, and when I hear entry level, I don't just think of the, the, bo- the, the bottom, the start. I think of like, here, entry level just makes it seem like, like, it's just so, I don't know, mundane and just, just, just boring. You know what I mean? Like, like, this is what, this is what you have to do. You have to, obviously everyone has to work to get where they are. And I'm, I'm one that I know everything takes hard work. Nothing comes easy in life. And I'm well, well aware of that, but to be put into a group like fished into a net with a bunch of every other fish. It just, that's didn't, that seemed to me that like really deterred me from, from, from going that route. And I wanted what I was doing to make a difference. So that's when the military kind of um, presented itself more clearly to me. Um, I would say in the middle of college, maybe like um, going into junior year, um, I knew I wanted to, to, you know, give it a try. So I, I started training for it. Um, and then, yeah, and then I just kept training and then I left right after I graduated a couple, like five months after I graduated, I went to office candidate school. So wait, real quick. So we'll get to that in a sec, but so like, uh, so it sounds like the two big things, like about how it separates it from corporate America, just being like entry level and boring, which again, I agree with, like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you can do interesting things in an entry level position, but, um, you said like it sounds like most people are just going there because like it's just like casting a wide net and just catching all the fish right right so i mean i would also just to play devil's advocate i feel like the military is kind of like that too because it's like and again this this could just be like a stigma but just like oh like and this this isn't you but like oh like i have no other options i'll go join the military not that this is you at all but why are you laughing man no i'm just (laughs) kidding i'm kidding i know i know you mean you know what I no, mean? No, and, and I'm, I'm, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, so, but, so, you know, there's that where it's like, okay, like, there's also a bunch of people going there, but I do see the other side of it where, like, there's more of a purpose. Right, right, and, and, and if I were to have this conversation with you before I went to Oxford Canadian School in college, I would disagree with you, but now, after being sort of in both um, areas, I would 100% agree with you in, in the sense, in the notion that um sort of it's not that big of a deal because other there's so many other people doing it and i think that specific idea is sort of predicated on um you know perception is reality when i'm when i'm at a university surrounded by people that are going to college in order to get a corporate job to work in finance or marketing or accounting or whatever I'm surrounded by all of the same people. So exactly. all of what they're doing seems very, you know, kind of 
very not cookie cutter, not appealing to me, cookie cutter. So that's when I was sort of pushed towards the Marine Corps. Then when I was at officer candidate school, now I'm surrounded by everyone who wants to be a Marine Corps officer. So then the same thing happens again. It's like, wow, this doesn't seem as appealing because it's cookie cutter. They're all, you know, and, and, and what I realized in the, in the Marine Corps was that it was even more cookie cutter than college. Because at least in college, you sort of had your, you can choose your own route after you graduate. Marine Corps, after you graduate OCS, you, what you're doing is, is not, you don't choose what you're doing, basically. Like, they choose what you're going to do based on whatever criteria you have. So, so now I would, I would agree with you in that sense that, you know, Maybe the Marines and, and armed forces and, and not necessarily the military, but a government, you know, sort of the government is sure. more cookie cutter than sort of civilian life. Um, but yeah, with that being said, it's, it's still that, I, that's not why I, that's not like there's still it's still important. It's still what you're doing is bigger than yourself. Like that doesn't go away. Like anyone who's in the military, I give them a lot of respect for what they do, because being someone who's. I wasn't in the military, but I went through training, and to see the to when I see a Marine walk by or someone like that, I know what they had to do to get where they are. So I appreciate everything that that you know that that the uniform kind of portrays on, on them. Yeah, I I again I, likewise like I I don't know what they had to go through, but I still respect the hell out of it just because I know that you're giving up a lot of like your freedom to. Right to do that. So yeah, and the perception is reality thing, like completely agree. You know, when I was at, when I was an engineer, I was like, Oh, what I'm doing is really cool and I'm building cool stuff. But I was surrounded by thousands of people who were doing the same thing. And then, you know, even when I, even when I left Wayfair and I'm building my own business, like I know, you know, dozens of other people just to our close friends who are building their own businesses too. So, you know, it, it's hard to be, I guess, truly unique and not be cookie cutter in a sense. So I guess, it, it seems like you have to find a balance of like, I feel like what I'm doing is unique enough, but then really the bigger thing is like something contributing something to bigger, bigger than me. Like last, last podcast we talked about, or you mentioned how you feel like if you do well and you do your job well, the company's going to do well. So, you know, you have like a bigger mission than just a, than just right. a clock in and clock in and clock out. Yeah. And, and I think that statement is more so even true with the military. Cause like, Oh, if I do all my job, America won't, get taken over by another country. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to do good at your job if you're in the military. Cause like we're, we're all as Americans relying on our military. Um, and, and I, I think about it almost every day, you know, what if I didn't get hurt and I, I was in the military and obviously there are some days I wish I was in the military. Um, not because I don't like my job, but because I wish I could have given back, um, you know, as I, as I wanted to, but that's the great thing about the job I'm in now. I still, and I know people like my, uh, some of my colleagues might laugh at me when I say this, they, they think I'm a very like brand oriented, like go save a lot. And, and I am. Um, but I, the reason why I'm more like, like why I love what I do and I maybe not love what I do, but I enjoy what I do. Um, is because I'm doing something that helps other people. I'm bringing discount groceries groceries to 
um, to people who wouldn't have access to food um, if it were for Sablock. Because there's a lot of, like, we have a lot of locations that are in food deserts in the sense that if we weren't there, they wouldn't have access to groceries and they'd have to drive miles and miles. And these are people who don't have cars. These are people who rely on, you know, maybe buses and stuff like that. So in that sense, it's like, we're dwindling it down to the basics. Like food is a basic. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Yep. sometimes people, you know, don't understand that some people go without food and if you can bring food that's, you know, at a cheap price. And I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not promoting save a lot right now. But are, you, are you sure? <laughs> I know that's why you're laughing. No, but um, no, I get it. Yeah. So, it's okay. So, so you're like, all right, I want to do something kind of bigger than myself. I'm going to, you know, go try to go through officer candidate school, become an officer in the Marines. How did you, like, what's the application process like? Do you just, you know, is it a Google form that you fill out or? <laughs> a Google form, yeah. A Bing form? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a long process. It's, it's, um, I always joke, I say it was the longest interview I've ever had. Um, really? Because, because it wasn't like a one-time interview. It was like, you go, you go to your OSA, which is your officer selection officer, um, and you, I guess the first time you go, you're like, hey, I'm thinking about being an officer, or hey, I want to be an officer, or hey, um, maybe I don't know a lot about it. Um, can you tell me more about it? Um, and that's basically when the interview starts. And so they tell you about it, and you, know, you fill out a basic form, and, and then you come back in every week or every month for, you know, just for physical training or, or maybe just to learn more about the Marine Corps. Um, and, uh, it's a long process cause it takes a while for you to get, you know, chosen to be on, to be selected, to even go to officer candidate school. There's right. a, you have to sit on a board, um, and your board, you have to get selected by a board of other officers. Um, and the whole process, it, it, it takes different amount of time for other people. Some people need waivers which take, make it take longer. Some people don't at all. Some people are ready to go right when they go in the office. Um, oh, me, really? Yeah, because they're, some people go when they've already graduated college. Um, you know, they're working some job and they realize, hey, I want to do this, and they go. And then if everything goes okay with them, they can go, they can get shipped off to OCS, you know, in a couple months. But for me, I went um, my summer going into senior year. So I just had a whole year of college left. So um, that sort of interview lasted my whole senior year. Um, when I was home for school, I would go and do PT, uh, PT's physical training. Um, and uh, when I graduated college, that's when I found out that I got chosen. And then when I, and then I found out when I would go. And what did that feel like when you, when, you, when you got the letter or the email or the call when you're like, hey, Alex, you know, congratulations, like you've been selected to join officer candidate school and you'll start on X day. Oh, it felt, it felt great. And also I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. No, it, no, but it was, it was, it, was um, it was all kind of like, like settled in right, right then and there. It was like, okay, I'm doing this, like I'm going. And, um, up until that point, I think that was probably one of the biggest decisions I made was to do it. Um, just because, you know, your whole life is like flipped upside down. Like you're, you're a different person. You're not a civilian anymore. You're a Marine. You know what I mean? Um, but there was something like, there was pride that came with that too. 
Um, but yeah, did I mean, it was you exciting? Yeah. So at that point that you're like, they're like, congratulations, you were selected. Are you are you locked in now? Did you sign the papers, or did you have to then sign like the contract? Like, could you still back out at that time, or were you already in? Well, so it's different. Officer, being an officer is different than being an enlisted, in the sense that you can be an enlisted and not be in a leadership position, meaning that you're not in charge of other people's lives. Because essentially, when you're a leader in the military, when you're a manager of people. You're in charge of their livelihood. And not only their livelihood, their family's livelihood, because if they don't come home from war, that, that's on you. Yeah. And um, so they, the Marine Corps at least, because it's the only thing I know, they don't want people to be officers who don't want to be officers, because if you don't want to be there, they don't want you there. So it wasn't like enlisted in the sense where you enlisted and you had to go. That was it. You had to serve your right. time. If you, like, ran away, they would find you and put you in prison. Um, so you can leave at any point. What was, what was the, the first day like when you, you showed up? Did you bring a backpack of, like, you know, stuffed animal or any, anything? Yeah, I brought a blankie and a little teddy bear. Now, they tell you what you should bring. Um, there's kind of like a list of stuff that you have to bring, and then there's other things that you you can choose to bring. Um, but you have to make sure that you can't bring specific stuff. And there's a whole list of like they call it contraband, sure that you can't bring. Um, but you just we showed up, we drove there. I remember um, all the other all my other friends um, that were also at Officer Candidate School. All the ones I went down with, we drove down together, or some of us drove down together. And we get there, you know, we got there the night before just to settle in, stayed in a hotel. And then sort of you wake up that morning and you're like, all right, you know, this is it. Like for the next um, 10 weeks, this is, this is, you know, this is my life. And, and I had enough time to prepare for it where I felt fine. Like, obviously it was like a little like, you know, it's like, all right, what's going to happen? It's like, what what are they going to throw at me today? Um, but physically, you physically you felt fine, right? Like I'm in shape, I can do this. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. All and you that. met and you met your friends, right, through training with them. Yeah, I'm still that. There, some of my good friends. You know, one of my good friends there also. He um, he he didn't get hurt, but he he dropped out or, or he got shoes or something. I don't know what happened with him, but sure. um, he's not in the Marine Corps anymore. He was in the Coast Guard previously. Um, I think he's still enlisted in the Coast Guard. Um, but my other friends are now Marines and I still talk to them every once in a while. Um, I have a friend actually, she's going to, um, she's getting shipped out to Hawaii in January. She's going to be there for three years. She got stationed in Hawaii and I'm just like, it's like you lucked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I still talk to them and, and that's the thing. It's like, when you're, you're in the situations like that. Like those people aren't just your friends, they're your family. Like you rely on them. Like. Like, I remember we were in different platoons, but, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but, like, um, her name was, uh, we, we call each other by last names. Her last name was D. Simone. So, and my other friend, Chapina. Um, we, we were all in different platoons, so, meaning that, like, we all had our, like, we were essentially in different classes. Um, but you all, we always, like, walk by each other, and it's, like, obviously you can't, like, start waving at them like hey what's up because <laughs> you're 
your instructor will just fucking go at you. But um, uh, we would always like, like kind of like glance at each other and laugh and like smile. And, and that was kind of the subtle things that, at Oxford Trade School that kind of like get you through it. It's like, it's like those little instances that you, you're, like, you're all, you're all in this shit together. Like, yeah, you're hurting, but so are they. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everyone's, everyone's doing the same shit. No one's, no one's doing anything differently. So that's kind of sort of something that like pushes you through it. Um, but yeah, we, we all drove down together and we were all ready for it together. We showed up and, and we just put our lives in the government's hand. Hand. So what was like, so that's good that you had the friends obviously to push you through it. But so you got there and then like, like the first day, so you, so, so you get set up on the first day, whatever. The next day, like you go to bed and what time like, did they wake you up and how did they wake you up? And So the first week or the first week and a half is kind of like the introduction week. So you don't really do what you're going to do for the 10 weeks or the 10 week, nine, eight, 10 weeks you're there. Um, the first week, first week kind of like uh, onboarding, like fill out paperwork. Um, you, you know, get your shots. You, I don't know. You do all the stuff that you have to do to get ready. Okay. Um, but you still wake up early. It wasn't, it wasn't as early as we did when we, when we started. Um, it was probably like what, six o'clock in the morning. Um, then we just got ushered everywhere. Um, but then that Thursday, that's the day that you meet your instructors and they like, it's like a movie. They like, they walk in, in a line and, and then all of a sudden they're standing up on stage and they say like, you know, alpha company or whatever mm-hmm. platoon, these, this is your instructor, instructor so-and-so. And they stand right in front of you. Don't even look at you. They just like look straight ahead. And, and then all of a sudden one, one of the uh, instructors is just like, like platoon sergeants take, take control of your platoon. And right then and there is when all, it all started. Like really? that's, that's when OCS started. And that's when you, you know, waking up at, 435 you're doing pt you're drilling you're going to class and it's just it's very it's just you know jesus all blur yeah that sounds that sounds awful so well i mean just like the waking up part and then so like so you're in class obviously like you're studying and like just general marine stuff like what what's like what are you actually studying you're how studying you, how to use a gun. You're studying how to use your. It's called a rifle, Nick. Sorry. I, I called it a gun at first when I first got there, and I got just. I just got screamed at. It's not a gun. It's a rifle. I'm like oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. I was like I thought a rifle is a gun. You're actually gonna yeah. tell me a square is a rectangle is not a square. Square is not a yeah. rectangle. <laughs> no, yeah. but um, it's you, you learn. It's more so based around like Marine Corps knowledge, like history and knowledge, and um land navigation um you know how to get around using um compass and 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 how to use your rifle safely um how to um we had fire teams so like how to like move in a fire team like hand signals and stuff and cool and um what to do when you see an enemy or you know how to handle that and it was it was very vastly different. Like we, one day we'd be in the field doing land navigation. The next day we'd be, you know, in the classroom doing, um, learning about, um, how the Marine Corps was started. Um, so, so just, just to touch on one thing specifically you just mentioned. So you said like, 
one of the things like, oh, how to deal with an enemy when you see them. Like, do you just pull out your rifle and just like start shooting at them, or do you like approach them and ask like what they're doing, or like well, how, so how you, do you? You have your rifle on you, and you're like, "Hey, sir, you're not supposed to be here. Can you please?" Leave? No, that's not how it works. <laughs> no, it's it's more so like um, I don't. Know, it was so long ago too. It was over a year ago. I'm trying to remember everything. Um, yeah, don't no, worry. This, this is like quiz. once you is. You had your, you were in your fire teams. You had, you know, four of you, um, whatever position you were in. Um, you'd be walking slowly with your rifle, and we had like different positions your rifle would be at. Could be like on your side like this, or on your back, or in your hands. Um, but it was more so like what to do with your team and how to maneuver around it, and and so, so I can't remember the details, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not testing you. I was just curious. So, and then. The other thing I feel like that's like at least portrayed in movies is like, like the food's like super bad or the food's like super bland. The food actually, food actually at OCS wasn't that bad. The only bad part about it is we had like five seconds to eat it. So like, we would go to the caf, we would go to the Chow Hall Cafe. It's called Chow Hall Marine Corps. We would go there and specifically like breakfast. Like it'd be like, first of all, we would eat. Before we we worked out, it didn't make much sense to me. But it doesn't. The food they gave you was good, but it clogged you up, so you didn't have to poop or anything the entire time. So I don't think I took. Maybe I took one poop the entire time I was there. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, the food wasn't bad. It was it was a lot of carb based. It was like a lot of like um, bread and muffins and stuff like that but you could eat whatever you wanted but you knew that you only had like you know a finite amount of time to eat all that food so and you had to be weary of you know i'm working out after this i'm not gonna eat you have to pick specific things and while you're eating you're you're um essentially they're called drill instructors at in at boot camp but they're called platoon sergeants and and things like that at ocs Uh, your platoon sergeant would be in your face like screaming at you while you're chewing and it's kind of one of those things they're like screaming at you and you don't answer because you're chewing and then you answer while you're eating and then they go don't speak with your mouth open and you're like <laughs> i don't know like it's like what you like you know what do you want me to do but um it's kind of funny and i'm sure they the platoon sergeants after we leave and do pt they all get together and just start cracking up about it because i would too wow. and, and and that's some of those things that you got to find like you have to have a sense of humor when you're in in a situation like that. Okay, so so okay, that's good. So it's it's not too too bad. Um, right, and then there. Oh no 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 no! You're good. You're good. You're good. No, I I think that's great. Just because I mean the like the people like your platoon sergeants, right? You said that's what they're called. Yeah. Like they're trying they're trying to trick you, like by saying like oh like ask you a question but you're eating with your mouth open and then yeah so no that's funny so so that went on right so it, it was was it more or less like the same day-to-day for for the next couple weeks you know yeah. doing, doing different well, that, things. there was like phases so like they would phase you in something and then out of something and and sort of they started the, the instructors day-to-day was the same but the instructors kind of um at first they were you know basically treated you like you were like a two-year-old like like told you what to do, every single thing you did, they told you what to do. And then they sort of, um, they want to see your leadership abilities. So they put the candidates, and I was a candidate, everyone there was called a candidate. Um, they would 
started to put the candidates in charge in leadership positions and they kind of backed off a little bit. So essentially the day to day was the same, but the leadership aspect of it changed as you progress through the, the program. Makes sense, especially if you're going to become an officer. And like you said, like you're going to be in charge of other people's lives. They want to make sure that you can kind of, you have your shit together and can like lead right. other people. Yeah. So like, obviously it's tough. Did you ever, did you ever think like, Oh, I, I fucked up. I made the wrong decision or, or I should quit. Or no, I want to quit. No. I mean, not not once. Just because I I saw a road like a um road at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? I saw the light. Yeah. Like, and that light was me in my you know Marine Corps uniform on standing on the parade deck at graduation, um, with my dad there, um, and I just saw pride that uh, it was. That was kind of like what got me through all the hard shit. And it was kind of like we had this saying like, if you're going to quit, quit after the, like, after the next lunch because food is free. So it's kind of <laughs> like, just quit tomorrow if you're going to quit. And it was just always like that. Like, just keep going. Like, keep eating your free meals. <laughs> I like that. No, it's, yeah. And so, and so, and then so unfortunately, you, you got injured, right? Yeah. Well, you had a, a stress fracture in your, yeah it it came from a shin splint when i was there i started running we ran a lot and a lot of the running is in boots how Um, much running a couple miles a day or um i don't know the exact mileage but we would go on runs and then we'd also do other pt and stuff like that but we had like we had some candidates they made wear fitbits like one each platoon had a candidate wearing a fitbit um so we would we would average like twenty plus thousand steps a day. So it was it was a lot. We were on our feet a lot. Um, yeah, but... and you were in boots most of the time. So, so so obviously your leg was hurting. And when you decided, did, did you like voluntarily go to like the the doctor? Did they were you just like in so much pain? They were just like Alex, go see the doctor. Well, it was one of those things like you you know you don't want to go to the doctor like because that's yeah. like that's like a a death sentence to your to your time there because like right. most of the time when you go to the doctor like they end up telling you like you know you can't train anymore and if you can't train you can't be there they so you get dropped send you home. yeah um so my leg was hurting and i tried to just keep running but it got to the point where like i just couldn't i couldn't run anymore like i i was so far behind everyone else just because i like i was in pain so i couldn't run so I told my instructor, like, obviously I didn't say it like this, but like, listen, I was like, listen, I gotta, I gotta go to the medic. So I went and that's when they told me I had a stress fracture in my tibia. And then the, that day they sent me home. Wow. Were you, you must, were you, I imagine you were upset, right? It was, it was less upsetting than it, than it was sort of like in shock. Frustrating. Mm. And it was. I would I would say that me my the day I got dropped I was more afraid than than the day I started. And the reason why I say that is because at least when I started, I I kind of saw my my future. I saw what I was going to be doing. But when I got dropped, it was sort of like like big question there mark. There was there was it was a huge question mark, a huge question mark, and I was just like, what the fuck am I going to do now? You know what I mean? Like. Where do I go? Where do I go from now? Um, 
And I remember I didn't drive back that, that day. I stayed in a hotel that night just because it was a long day. And, and I didn't feel like driving from Virginia to New York um, that day. So I, I remember staying, I stayed in a hotel by myself and I just like sat on the bed in the room for like a couple hours, just like just TV off, everything off. And just like, I just was like thinking about everything. You know what I mean? Like, like everything was going through my mind. Um, um, and it's, it's one of those things that like, it's so hard to see what's ahead of you and what's going to come. And it's easy to look back on it now and say like, that was, those were tough times, but look at me now. I'm doing well now. But I think without those tough times, I'm not, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So, yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I'm, I, we're both strong believers. I think that like everything happens for a reason and like, you know, in the moment it probably sucks. Yeah. But, but again, you don't know what's waiting on the other side. Like after that, I remember, I remember you texting me too. I was like, cause I, I actually would write you letters and you got them, right? Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. You're yeah. You so we didn't have at OCS. We didn't have access to our phones or any TV or anything. The only access we had to the outside world was writing letters to people and getting letters from people. And Nick, Nick would write me letters. And I remember you would send me pictures of like, <laughs> it, it wasn't por- it wasn't pornography, but it was like 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 women in bikinis and things like that. Yeah. And my 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 rackmates, my the people like um like near me, like he would sleep near me. They would see the letters and they would be like, yo, let me get, let me see that. Grab <laughs> I was like, Dude, shit, my instructors are going to see this and think I have pornography and I'm going to get kicked out. I I remember that. Yeah. I forget what I called it, but yeah, I would write you like a letter a week for like the five or six weeks that, right. It was like five or six weeks that you were there. And I would, I would try to be like, you know, write some interesting stuff, like tell you about like what was happening in the world. And then I'd be like, oh, this is like, sexy girl of the week or whatever yeah. it was and i would put like four or five pictures for like from google yeah. and send them no i oh, i mean i never i never i never really like sat down and talked to you about it but like i appreciate you writing those letters because like that yeah. like i don't think i think the people who wrote me letters and it was very few people i think it was just you i think joe maybe wrote me one my mom wrote me a couple my dad wrote me some uh my family but I don't think that the people who wrote them understood the meaning, like how, how meaningful they were to me, because like I didn't get I didn't get to talk to anyone outside of my platoon. Like like that was my only contact with people outside. So like those letters, like I would reread there was some days where like we'd be like there'd be some off time, but you didn't you couldn't really do anything. I'd be laying we'd be laying in Iraq like at night. And I would reread those letters like multiple times. Like even, even I've already read the letter like three times, I would read it again just because I had nothing else to read. And, wow. and, um, and it was just, I, w- I would just start laughing. But, uh, <laughs> but truth be told, oh, dude, I, I also, and I'm, I'm really happy they meant a lot to you. Like, you know, it was the least I could do. It was the, it was the least I could do. And it was also the most I could do. Like, exactly. but, and I remember I would also include like a riddle or like a, like a, and then you'd answer it in the next letter. Exactly. I'd be like, oh, hey, like, here's, a, here's a riddle for you to think about for the next week. And then, uh, yeah, so just to keep your mind busy. So, Yeah, and, and um, after, I, after I got dropped, um, nobody kind of knew I got dropped because um, I didn't tell anyone at first. Like, I didn't want to tell people I got hurt. I'd leave, you know, all that. Um, so I still had some letters. 
come in, but they got forwarded to my home address. And right after I, I got, you know, I had to leave, I was just like very upset. And I felt like I, I like let not myself down, but I let the people I care about down because like, it's what I wanted to do and, and all that. So I couldn't, for the love of me, like I couldn't get myself to read those letters after I was gone. So I actually still have a letter, I think, from you and my mom and my cousin that's unopened. Really? I haven't, haven't opened it. It's then I, I brought it with me to St. Louis, and I have it in my desk. Wow. And I leave it there unopened. I don't know why I leave it there unopened. And I think it's more so like a sense of, you know, maybe one day I'll open it. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I still to this day can't get myself to open it because I know the second I open it, I'm going to just probably just break down and cry. <laughs> I know. So, so, so I leave that there as a, as a reminder of, of the past and, and to make me, you know, appreciative of what I have now. That's, yeah, man, that, that's like, that's very poetic. And I think like, I get it. Like, it was a tough time. Like, it was good and bad. And like, you can keep those letters there as just like a, like you said, a reminder and, and all your maybe intense feelings that you have can just be kind of like locked away like those letters and you don't have to, you just don't have to deal with it, but it's a good reminder. I it's think, just lock remember. away all the, all the pains and, and, and anguish, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just but no, I, I, and it sounds, it sounds sad and, 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 you know, the part of it may be a little like emotional, but at the same time, I am really happy where I am now. I, I'm, I like what I do. I'm good at what I do. At least I think I am. And that's all that matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, those letters are a reminder of, of the bad times, the good times, and, 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 and all my whole life. Yeah. Can, I, can we switch topics and ask you a few maybe philosophical questions to get some thoughts on? Yeah. You all know right. Me? Oh, uh, I, I do. Philosophical questions. <laughs> so, well, okay, yeah. So, I want... Yeah, so it's a few of them. One of them, there, yeah, there's a couple questions. So first one, um, obviously joining any, you know, military branch, there's going to be like the point where you might have to kill someone. And I know we're going zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> but you know, you're one, you're one of my best friends, obviously, and and I know how much of a nice guy you are. And also for everyone who can't see, Alex's is. is taking out the letters, not to open them, but just to, just to view them again. Um, could you see yourself? I want to view that I have them here. Yeah. Confirm. I do have them here. I just, they're not here. They're yeah. somewhere else here. I think they're in my, over there. Oh, okay. Still unopened. But uh, could, you, could you see yourself telling someone? Because, yeah, I don't know. I, I know you, but you obviously know yourself better than I do. Like, I know it's, and I know that's a loaded question. I know it's probably one of the questions you're not supposed to ask people, but I know you haven't killed anyone. So I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm curious if you think you have, if you have it in you to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, that's, a tough, that's a tough question to answer, Nick. I don't want to sound like I a know. psychopath, but. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, no, I think, like, I think the, I think the answer to that is more so like, like there are times like, and I remember my dad told me a story about um, one time he was in a bad spot in Iraq or Afghanistan, and he um, 
thought I don't know I don't remember if he said like he didn't think he was gonna make it out of there or something, but he was there was a lot of like enemy activity around him. And he told me all of a sudden he just heard like this like huge, this loud sound of like a chopper coming over the dunes. And it was a um what kind of helicopter was it? Apache? It was a cobra. Okay. It was a cobra coming over the the dunes and like kind of like peering over the edge of the dunes and all of a sudden the the, the cobra just laid laid fire onto the enemy and because of that cobra my dad got to come home you know what i mean like if it wasn't for that cobra who's to say that my dad wouldn't have made it out there alive you know what i mean yeah so i went to ocs as a air candidate Meaning, I would either be a helicopter pilot or a, or a pilot of a, a fixed wing aircraft like a F 22 or F 18 Hornet, whatever. But I'm sure, you know, killing anyone in any situation, whether it's an enemy or not, that's a lot for someone to deal with. And that Cobra pilot had to do that. And I'm sure he lives with that every day now, whoever he is out there and he has to go to sleep on that as con- on his conscience that he killed someone and that's that's probably very tough to do but at the same time he did what he had to do to to help save his fellow comrade and i think when you're put in a situation like that you do what you have to do to to make the right decision to save you know your fellow marine so in that sense that's kind of the reason why that's one of the big reasons why I joined was so that because that kind of resonated with me like like the, a man that I've never met and never will meet sort of saved my dad's life in an instance and I kind of joined with that notion of maybe I can you know save someone else's some other little kid out there whose dad got sent off to war Maybe I can save, be in a situation where I can save his life and bring him home. So that was kind of, so to a long, that was a long-winded answer. But in a situation like that, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe I could see myself doing something like that. But it's not something anyone probably wants to do. Yeah, no. no. I, they, I, I, they want to do it, either you should, they should probably be seen a doctor or something. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's no. I think that's like a beautiful answer, and it was a good anecdote. And I think like it perfectly describes the type of situation that no one seeks. Well, most people don't seek out to to murder other people. Right. But like you said, in in that event where you can save someone's father, save someone's sister, save someone's whatever, you know, then then yeah. And if it's your fellow Americans, like you're gonna, I think you're gonna do it. So. Especially if it's the type of situation where, like, it's either you or me. Like, it's it's gonna be you. Um, exactly, and it's yeah, and and I mean, I know this is going off topic, but like, I was at Officer Candidate School for like maybe like five or six weeks. When you're in a situation like that, you're it's so kind of you're so removed from your ordinary life, your average daily like routines, and you're kind of thrown in a situation where it's unfamiliar. Um, you don't know anyone and you're forced, you know, very high stress situation. Um, that could take a toll on someone. 
And and I still like have dreams about OCS. I still like to this day I could close my eyes and tell you um how to get around in the squad bay, where everything was, like to the detail, to the fine print. And that was over a year ago. So that stuff gets, you know, kind of burned in your mind. Um and and with that being said, I can only imagine people who get chipped off to war for years or months, years. Um, and they, some of the shit they see, like you best believe they're coming home and they're, you know, they need help. Yeah. So, so I'm hoping one day maybe I can help out veterans in that situation, but financially I can't right now. Um, and I want to be able to one day, but, but there's a lot of stuff people deal with that, that, that's, that people don't understand or, and not to say that I understand because officer candidate school was by any means, I wasn't in a dangerous situation. I was, you know, always safe. Um, I never had to see anyone get harmed. So um, I never had to deal with it specifically, but I can understand just, you know, the immense, you know, weight that people have on their shoulders when they come home from war. So. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's it's a tough thing. Like, I, I, I'm not going to share the stories, but I also know stories of some people who have served and have seen, like, some crazy shit. And, like, it's it's definitely fucked them up. So I get it. And I think that's cool that you want to, like, give back to, I yeah. think, uh, you know, any way that you can. So how about just, like, war in general? Because, obviously, it's not like you're just going to OCS or anyone's becoming a Marine or any active enlisted person just, just because like there's always wars going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think war in general, like can ever be eradicated or do you think it's something that will always need to exist and, and that we'll always have? Yeah. I mean, and, it's a, it's a, it's a touchy subject cause you don't want to say the wrong thing and piss someone off. But um, yeah, I think just, just human nature and if you look at history of just humanity there's there's always wars there's always people who don't agree on something and they go to war on it and and i would hope maybe one day there won't be wars because no one wants wars aren't good things like nothing good comes out of war like they're horrible things but at the same time it's like you can't you and i can't stop the, the 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 fate of a war you know what i mean like if something's right. going to happen, it's going to happen. And, and, and one of us can't stop it from happening. So they're going ha- to happen. They're going to keep happening. Um, and, um, so you know. think it'll always be around? Even yeah, though, as much un- as it sucks? Unfortunately, yeah. I think it, I think, and I think, I think we're sheltered from a lot of... There's stuff happening right now that a lot of people our age don't know or or so um unaware of and and i know it's the you know the famous saying ignorance ignorance is bliss you know there are people here that don't turn on the news don't um you know do research don't understand um the things that are happening in other countries and you know there are genocides there are civil wars there are um there are wars going on in other countries and people are dying currently as we speak um so um to answer your question i i think they're always going to happen um 
and I hope that they wouldn't, but um, not everyone in this world is as socially uh, conscious as um, I think a lot of Americans are, or a lot of um, uh, first world countries. I think there's a lot of countries out there, like third world countries that are still um, far behind current times and, and need need to be brought into modern day life. So, I mean, so yeah, I, I agree that unfortunately like war will always be around, but like, do you ever think it'll actually be like justifiable where like, oh, we're fighting over like land or, or power, or whatever it is, but like, how, like how do soldiers killing each other solve anyone's problems? Do you know what they I'm saying? Don't. And then, and I think that's a big problem with people coming back from war. Um, they come back and they and they've seen all this shit. They've seen people die. They've seen you know their friends die. They've seen you know kids die, and and that's something that's tough for anyone to deal with. Um, and they but the, what, what's probably even tougher to that is they ask themselves like why? Why did my friend have to die? What did he die for? What did that kid who got blown up by an IED? What did he die for? For someone else's initiative, someone else's sort of battle. And it's like you got the the big big guys up top that don't agree, so they send their militaries to kill each other. And in instances that's the case, there are other cases where, you know, um, it's not a uh, battle like one-on-one battle. It's a you know we need to go be. Um, no, I can't think of the term. We need to go like. There are other countries where where the the government's killing their own people, and we need to go in and stop that. Right, right. So it's not necessarily us them fighting us and us fighting them. It's it's us going there to stop them from what they're doing. That's not necessarily. I mean, it is disagreement in 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 you know in, in the in the sense of it, but I think there's always going to be disagreements. We just have to figure out a different way to settle them, and 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 we. I feel like we've came, we've come a long way from like even like World War Two and, and <clears throat> Vietnam and stuff like that. Like, like I don't think I don't I don't think another sort of war like World War Two would ever happen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. I mean, but when you do look at it, it's also interesting just to look at like the numbers. How the military is the second largest employer in the United States, next to Walmart. So it's just like. I don't know. I, <laughs> That's a funny statistic. Walmart's up there. Yeah, you know, Walmart's not to save a lot of competition, Nick. We can't be talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And tell you Walmart we're sponsoring this episode. No, I, I, get Walmart out of here. Save a lot or, or nothing. <laughs> but yeah. And for those yeah. listening right now who don't know what save a lot is, come see, <laughs> come see me in like five years when we 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 take off. When we're the new Walmart. Yep. Yeah, you said they're privately held, right? Yeah, so you guys don't get stock in the company, unfortunately. No, but I mean, but we're still. off tangent here, but I'm I'm a firm believer in in, and I think the reason why I, I work hard is because you know, save a lot. However, save a lot do, does in the future is based on performance of its workers, of its employees. So, Alex House, yep, on on your shoulders. So on, not just my shoulders, it's on all of our shoulders. No, all your shoulders, all your shoulders, of course. Um, my shoulders, everyone else, everyone else has two shoulders. We got a lot of shoulders. We each got two shoulders, so. That, yeah. I mean, that's an assumption, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Yeah, so I think, but yeah, no, I mean, it is interesting because it's like, okay, hopefully there's never a World War III, yet you have millions and millions of people who are employed by the U.S. government, like, for the military. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting because it's like, okay, hopefully the like number of wars go down. Hopefully we don't have to get into these huge wars. But there are, you know, second largest employer in the United States is is the armed forces. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting. It Maybe it's just precautionary and maybe it's just to have a good defense system so people don't come in and like shit and on I, the United States. I think, I think that's what it's going to become more so for other countries too is, is the military isn't necessarily – it's something that you have there but you don't want to use it. Yeah. Essentially like what we were talking about last, last podcast on, on having money but not wanting to use it. But having it there kind of gives you that sense of relax. security security relaxing you know you can you can you can go about your day-to-day life because you know you have a backup um sort of plan and i think that's what military is for for us as as civilians it's it's okay i can go to work i can um take my dog on a walk i can send my kid off to school knowing that our country is protected from the outside threats of other countries because we have that big military. So it's something we have, and we don't want to use it. Um, but we will use it if necessary. So that's how I yeah. see it. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. And I think it'd be cool if um, eventually it's just like, okay, everyone has it. And then, you know, we'll use it if we have to. We don't want to use it. Like you said, just more of a defense and not so much just like, oh, let's just go send a million people over to go, like, conquer Germany or whatever it is. Right, right. And, and I think... Also, when you, when, you, when you look more into depth on like why wars happen, I think a lot of the times there are people who are in power that are power hungry and want to you know, conquer that nation or conquer this nation or conquer that nation. But I think we're getting to the point where there's not one sort of empire or, or like country that's like so much astronomically stronger than another one. Because you, you, know, you have the US, you have Russia, you have China, you have... EU, you have all of Europe, um, you have all of these great powers that um, I feel like back in, you know, 16th, 17th, 18th century, you had, um, maybe even further back, you had like sort of like England was a big power. They, they, they colonized a lot of countries and sort of they wrote the rules because they had the big military. But now when you have all these countries that are kind of getting to the point where there's equal in power, like you see Trump. Um, and the U.S. getting mad at North Korea because North Korea is building up their kind of arsenal. But um, I think if every, let's say everyone kind of had the same arsenal, the same military, same nuclear weapons, like I don't think there would be a war. I don't think there would be any wars because we'd be too afraid to attack anyone else because we know that they have the same kind of sort of power and, and vice versa. Everyone would be afraid to attack us. So I think in a perfect world, then that's never going to be the case. If everyone was kind of equal military sense and, and defense wise, there wouldn't be wars. But that's never going to be the case. And that's why there's always going to be wars. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, even like the United States is, has a great, great military. And, you know, we have the power to go to Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever it is. And, you know, more or less, we have the power to take it over. But if right. I, like you said, if, if Iraq was equal to us, we wouldn't want to, quote unquote, pick on someone our own size um, right. just because there's higher repercussions. And, 
and it could like it could end badly for both so some in that case it just doesn't make sense when you know you could have the option to lose but when you know you can't really lose in the long run then you're going to do it you know right. or or be more tempted to do it anyways yeah and, and i think if it ever got to the point where we were all equals everyone on this planet like every country on this planet was equal there would kind of be that symbiotic relationship where like you and i are on this earth together like we need to like like instead of Hey, this is my this is my little piece of property in the sense like this is America, like you're not allowed on here, um, China or this is China, you know, mm-hmm. um, or this is North Korea, you know, like we're we're kind of categorizing this land, but when you think about it, we're all every piece of land is on on Earth, so when we start to you know when aliens start to attack us, then it's gonna be <laughs> then it's gonna be Earth against them. So I think that when the and it's funny it's it's it, you know I'm I'm obviously stretching it you know no but, but no when you think about it in that sense it's like the enemy always gets you know bigger like exactly. back 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 when there was cavemen like there wasn't countries fighting each other it was it was every man for themselves you know what I mean yeah and then people start to form colonies and then those colonies fight each other and then countries countries fight each other. And maybe one day it'll get to the point where we're, you know, modern day Star Wars. But um, um, right now it isn't, obviously. So it's still going to be on that shield. But hopefully one day we can, it doesn't take aliens attacking, attacking us to come together as a, as a not a country, but a uh, world, as an Earth. Yeah, yeah. Nope, I think that's great. Uh, yeah, I agree. Maybe one day we'll be fighting space aliens will have lightsabers and uh we'll be teleporting and it will be earth versus the rest of the the rest of the universe lemon Um, water (laughs) yeah (laughs) lemon water versus everyone else (laughs) but yeah no no thank you alex for all your uh insights and uh deep thoughts as always any any parting words or advice for people who want to maybe join the military but aren't sure if they uh if they should, you know, pull the trigger, no pun intended. Um, I would, if, if you're thinking about the military, I would do it. Um, and it's hard to, obviously you're hearing that from someone who's not actually in the military, nor was ever in the military. Right, but, right. Um, I tried it out. And regardless of what happens, your fate could be the same as mine. You could get hurt. But I don't regret it for a day going. I like it. You want to hit him with the outro, Alex? The outro? Yeah. On an earth full of land and water, we're searching the sea to find our home, to find where we belong. And upon that search, you may come across a little piece of lemon in a huge ocean. Lemon water, out.